this morning we're going to talk about, um, we're starting a brand new series called In Transit. And um, we're going to look at some biblical, biblical characters in the Bible <clears throat> and how they dealt with um, a lot of interesting situations in their life. I mean, they experienced seasons of transition where it's called the in-between and these trials of life that happen in our life. And we're going to look at Job. We're going to look at Job this morning. We're going to look at Daniel, Abraham, Paul, and the disciples. And all of them experienced times of frustration. They experienced times of pain. They experienced times of um, um, suffering and really difficult questions in their life. And that mimics us as well, right? We all experience uh, these seasons of transition, uh, these times of pain, these times of suffering, and these difficult questions that we have um, about God, about pain, about suffering, about why bad things happen um, to good people. And so this morning, we're going to look at the book of Job. We're looking at the character Job who's a whole book in the Old Testament written about him and his particular uh, period in his life. And so if you have your Bibles out, please get them out. And the Bible is, right, made up of two halves, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and um, 66 total books. And so what we're going to focus on this morning is the book of Job, and it's in the Old Testament, the Old Testament part of the Bible. And it's 42 chapters. And we're going to go through all 42 chapters this morning. We're going to try to get through two chapters in 30 seconds. No, we won't do that. But we're talking about Job. And, and here's the big idea for Job. And because I don't know if you know the story of Job, but we're going to lay out for you the story of Job this morning. And, and through everything that happened to Job, this is the one thing that was constant in his life, and that was that he had an incredible faith slash trust in his God. No matter what happened, and you're going to see in just a minute, everything that happened to Job, no matter what happened, he had this incredible, he never, ever lost his faith, his trust in his God. So let's look at the book of Job, and I'm going to read from chapter 1. We're going to read through this list, this list of things that, of why or how what happened to him happened. So in verse chapter 1, In the land of Uz, Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and he had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays, and, when the, and they would invite three, their, their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. So this was Job's regular custom for his children. 
Then the or Satan, let's see. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Had you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands, so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at, at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and your daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house. When suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed on them, and they are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And at this, Job got up and tore his robe. And shaved his head. And then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? The same thing, he said. And then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And he goes on and says the same thing what he did in chapter 1. And he says, you know what, Satan? Job still maintains his integrity, though you've incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Satan replied, skin for skin, a man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. And so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. And his wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. And Job replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And all this Job did not sin 
in what he said. I mean, needless to say, right, when you read those two chapters and you look at that and you go, my goodness, how can anyone endure what he just endured? And then have the ability to say what he said at the end of chapter 1, at the end of chapter 2. To me, that takes an incredible, incredible amount of, I don't know what. But we're going to find out what it was. And so the book of Job is a part of this collection of what we call Hebrew wisdom literature. It's put amongst Proverbs and Psalms and Ecclesiastics and the Song of Solomon. And in this particular book, Job has everything taken away from him. His family, his wealth, his health. And for whatever reason, God allows Job to suffer. And we read from that chapter 2 on to chapter 41, this wrestling that that Job has with God, with his wife, with his three friends. And we, we witness this dialogue between all of them going on about why and why are you doing what you're doing, Job? And, and um, is, are you sure there's not sin in your life? Are you sure there's not something that you did? And there's this whole, it's interesting that there's these 40 plus chapters of that wrestling going on. And all the way through that, everyone around Job loses faith in God or blames Job for his own troubles. But in all of that, Job remains faithful to God. And what we read at the end is that everything was restored back to him immensely. So there's two things that Job wrestles with. The first one is this. He's wrestling with something that we call the Theodicy, I think that's what it's called. Um, It's this area of theology that tries to answer this question, how a loving, all-powerful God could allow people to suffer, right? So that's kind of the big question. That's That's what himself, really, in a lot of ways, that's what his friends, that's what his wife are wrestling with. And really, the book of Job could be summed up with this two-word question, why God? Question mark. And I think we ask that question a lot in our life. When we read headlines and when stuff happens in our own life. The other struggle that Job had with his friends, that really his friends were struggling with, is this question of whether or not he was at fault. And it's this theology called this retribution theology that says this, that if if evil or sickness happened to someone, it was because of a sin in their life. And that is why they were so adamant with Job that there was probably some kind of sin or something that he hadn't been repentant of or was being stubborn with, or whatever it was in his life that was the reason why all of this calamity has come down on him. But as we read the story, we begin to understand that that's just not true. There is nothing, right, that Job can recollect, that Job works through that 
Um, he says, no, I've confessed it all. It's, there's nothing in my life that would um, say that this is happening or this is the cause of my trouble. And it's interesting at the end of the story that, that we begin to read that, that in Job's life and his struggles, that he never finds an answer for his why. Right? He never finds an answer for his why. God never gives him clarity. But Job ultimately, right, and we're going to read this in chapter 42, ultimately gives, um, continues his faith in God because of his wisdom, his goodness, who guides his character, and the mercy that was given to Job in his life. So quickly, tell me what are some comments that you have heard in your lifetime of why bad things happen to people? What are some comments that you've heard of why bad things happen? Karma, okay. Some said sin, what else? Consequences, because if we do something... Stupid, right? It is what it is. What goes around comes around. It's character building. Well, we're going to look at... Um, I don't know if we're going to find the answer because I feel like that question has been asked since the beginning of time. And I don't know if anybody's really given a, this is the answer. But we're going to talk through about what, how Job responded and how we can respond and what that looks like. And hopefully we'll give some bit of clarity to that in our life. So here's the deal with Job. As he's working through this, um, the one thing that's constant, no matter what's going on around him with his friends, with his wife, the sores, everything that's happened to him, the one thing that's constant, and we've mentioned it before and we'll mention it again, is that faith is the one thing that's constant in his life. Throughout all of his suffering, you know, his faith may waver a little bit to the left or to the right. Um... And he may have gotten frustrated with his friends and with God. And we read in verse or chapter 21 that he complains to God. And in chapter 3 that he wishes that he was never, never he was never, he wishes that he never was born. And he questions God in a lot of this. But at the end of the day, he still comes back to that I still trust my God. And here's really the first thing that I want us to understand this morning as we live our life as sons, as daughters, is that our faith doesn't have to be pretty because Job's faith wasn't pretty. But it did persevere. And so that to me is the first thing for us to understand 
is that our faith doesn't have to win a beauty contest. Our faith does not have to be pretty, but it does have to persevere. So I believe that we can be real in our struggles. We can be real in, and you're well aware of the struggles that I have um, wanting to be a grandfather, right? I've told you that many, many times. And so I have to be, instead of me bottling that up, I have to be real in my struggle. I have to let that out. I have to share with it. I have to be honest. I have to cry out to God and all of that, to wrestle with that. Also in that, I need to not live in the past. The past is what it is. I need to continue to move forward, right? So Job wrestled with it, but Job didn't live in the past. He didn't wallow in his pain. He said, yeah, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to talk about it, and it's going to, I'm going to wrestle with it. But I'm not going to live there because my God, I know who my God is, and I have faith in him, and I want to keep going, Right? And so that's the first thing, that my faith, or the faith of Job isn't pretty, but it perseveres. And that's the first thing. But I feel like the difference, what makes the difference between um, that and our life is the difference between abstract and personal. That there's this relationship that Job had cultivated with his God. And it was more than just this abstract uh, concept of who God is. Like we have this abstract concept of who God is, right? And and if we're going to put our faith and trust in that, it's going to fail us every time. But when we begin to, just this concept, right? When we begin to understand that, that we begin to know God and we begin to love him and we begin to cultivate this personal relationship with him, then when things do come our way, Right? We're not just some abstract concept. It becomes a real personal relationship. And that, to me, is the difference between um, our faith persevering or not persevering. And Job didn't have the benefit of knowing that um, Christ, that God sent Jesus Christ to this earth as to be our Savior. And that veil was torn, right, so that we could have this relationship with God 24-7. Scripture says that, um, that we are to then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so when we suffer, when we incur pain in our life, when things come at us that we don't have control of, I mean, what or whom are you putting your trust in? And we all know this, right? It's something other than God, then it's going to fail us every time. And this great tension in life for us is this song, right? It is well with my soul. I mean, that to me is the great tension. To understand that God loves me, to cultivate this relationship, but yet when all this stuff happens, to be able to say, but no matter what God is, well with my soul, because I know you love me. Think about this love relationship. Love relationship. 
God's saying, do you want me or do you want me because of what I can do for you? It's like my wife. When she married me, don't giggle, six-pack abs, dark hair. I did have dark hair. You know, if she would have married me for this, and then this happened, <laughs> I'd be going, you know, she would have probably left a long time ago. Or if she married me because I promised her that we were going to make a lot of money, and then we went to seminary, and that went out the window. Right? She loves me because of who I am inside. And that to me is worth a whole lot more knowing that she loves me because of what I can provide for her. Right? Does that feel a lot better? I mean, it's the same way with God, right? If, if, if I love God because I know that he's going to provide me health and wealth and all of that, then that's not really a true love, right? But if I love God, no matter what, because of who he is, no matter if he provides wealth, no matter if he provides health, no matter if he provides kids, grandkids, whatever, I just love him. And that's what I think he wants which is probably why the earth is the way it is. Sin marred it. It broke it. Stuff happens to good people, to bad people. And God says, are you going to stay still or stand there and love me no matter what? If you do that, then I know that your love is sincere and it's right and it's pure. Um, look at Hebrews 10, 39. It says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, of the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old receive their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So faith is this deliberate, this is from Oswald Chambers, faith is this deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. Because seldom do we get clarity in our pain and suffering. But one thing that we can have clarity with is, is beyond this temporal circumstances. We can't have clarity about God. We can't have clarity about the thing that matters in that God gave himself through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for you and I. And here's the thing. He is more committed to your transformation in life than you are or than I am. And that's the one thing that we can't have clarity on. When we were going through that situation with Brindley, our granddaughter, and I'm just going to share with you, I'm sure I'm sharing this with you once and I'll share it with you again. The thing that, was, was, uh, that God impressed on my heart that night in the middle of the night was this thing, uh, this acronym Y. And I use it all the time in my life. 
And it's what's what I go to when I'm struggling with why, God. And it's this. The first one is the W, right? This, what I want you to do, Kevin, is I want you to worship me, God. I want you to worship me. Um, Hebrews and Habakkuk say, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And then this other verse that says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. This is what Job had done. This is what Job is doing. And this is what he did do. And he continued to cultivate that personal relationship with his father. And that's what he wants me to do. The H is to have hope in him. You can look at Psalm 42, you can look at Hebrews 10, and it talks about having this unwavering hope. Because, why? Because this builds, right? Because of this cultivated relationship that you have with God, and you're understanding in a deep, deep, deep way about who he is, and about what God has done, and now about who you are as a son or as a daughter. And he says, Kevin, I want you to worship me, and I want you to have hope in me. And then as you do this, and this builds on this, and this third thing is the why, and that I want you to say yes to me whenever I call. Whatever that looks like. Daniel 3 talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that decision that they had to make with King Nebuchadnezzar and the fiery furnace and bowing down to him, and they says, no, we're not going to bow down to you. Even though our God may deliver us or he may not deliver us, I'm going to say yes to him, and if that means we're going to burn up in the fire, we'll burn up in the fire. We don't care, but we're saying yes to him. And so I want, Kevin, I want you to worship me. I want you to worship me in your pain and in your suffering to get to know me as a personal God. From that, I want you to have hope in me that I am good, that I am just, that I am going to bring all things good to those that love him. And from that, I want you to say yes to me, no matter what that might be. Leaving your job in Kearney and moving to Omaha, and leading this church, even though you've never led a church before. I want you to trust me in that. And it means saying yes to him. I have to deny myself. And I have to say, I'm going to follow you wherever, God. Whatever that means, I'm going to follow you. Because this is why, because I believe in the deepest part of who I am that God's plans for me are far better than what I could plan for myself. And I believe Job believed that as well. And so rather than run away from the the path that God has set out for me, I want to say yes to him and I want to run toward that path that he's laying out for me. I don't want to try to change God's mind. I don't want to try to change God's minds because, because why? Because his thoughts are perfect. And I want to think his thoughts. I want to see and I want to hear. I want to say. I want to see his, through his eyes. I want to hear through his ears. I want to say the things that he would say. I don't want to change his timing either. Because I know his timing is perfect. I may not understand it, but I know his timing is perfect. And I want the grace 
to accept that timing. And I don't want to change his plan because I know his plan is also perfect. And I want to embrace it. I want to see how God is going to glorify himself through all of this. And then he said, what's common through all those? And he said, me, God, is the common thread. And I want you to allow me to be your greatest treasure in your life. Which leads us to this. There's real water in there. So, as I was thinking about this, um, there's a story in the New Testament that talks about how we build our life. And I think that's what Job did, right? Job cultivated that relationship. I believe that he, you know, he put his hope in God and he said yes to him, no matter what went around him. And here's, this is you, right? And there's two ways that we can build our life the foundation that we can build our life on. And, and the one is signified by sand. And, um, and so this is going to represent, I'm not going to scratch you anymore. This, <laughs> bad pastor. This is, a, this represents all the bad things that happen in your life, suffering and pain and whatnot, okay? And, and it's going to be constant in the two. There's little pains, right, like a sore toe or... And there's big pains like your granddaughter not making it. And so when we build our life on the things that, um, other than God, I think this is what happens, right? We're in the midst of, we're building our life um, on money, on our spouse. And I'm going to duct tape them there to see that's going to work or not. We build our life. You know, duct tape and sand don't work. I did not do this illustration to practice at home, so if this doesn't work, oh well. It's a failed experiment. And so, um, so we built our life on money, on, on our kids, right? On our kids, on our husband or our wife or our job or um, just a myriad of other things. Pornography. <laughs> Whatever that was. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Um, we built our are like all in that, right? And so this is what happens when, um, I hope I can aim. This is what happens when life comes at you hard is that we tend to, come on, there we go. We tend to fall over, right? And it's not very stable. Poor guy's wet. But here's the deal. 
This is going to take some time for me to get this ready. So when we build our life on the rock, which is God, which is Jesus Christ. That's a weird sound, isn't it? When we build our life on God, and this is taking way too long to do this, but that's okay. Come on, duct tape. <laughs> Seth is whistling. You guys can come on up. I should have done this earlier. Whoops, he fell over. Oh, come on. Is it lightning or thundering? I think God doesn't like pornography. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> this illustration is not working. Thanks, Mel. He's not even going to stand without even He's anything telling on him. That's what it is. I should have done him first. Anyway, so here's the deal. <laughs> I'm going to do this without, because we need to get going. So, are you going to hold him? <laughs> Ouch. I went in my hair. So I'll do a little, a little thing in his life. Anyway, so this, is, this has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> Welcome. You know, you guys hired me. And you, this is what he come with. <laughs> Thank you. So what's supposed to happen is supposed to duct tape him. He's building his life on the rock, which is God. Right? And when, you okay with this? So when little things come his way, right, he just stands right there. No, stop it. He stands. <laughs> right? There we go. Yeah, the foundation is solid. All right. Roll that out of the way. <laughs> Woo! How many of errors this morning? So here's the deal, right? I think you got the point. That when we build our life on everything but God, it's like putting duct tape to a Barbie doll on sand. Is that when life comes at you, and scripture says in Matthew, it says the rain came down, um, there was wind, um, and the streams, the water came up, and it just totally washed everything away, right? And you're not going to be able to stand. And so when cancer comes or when, man, I read a headline yesterday of a family that didn't do anything and a pickup came and hit them and the dad and the four daughters all passed away and the mom lived. I mean, it's horrible. And all of you have had stuff, are going through things or will go through things in your life that's going to be hard. And it does us no good to compare pain. It does us no good to compare pain because my pain and your pain, it's just different. And it's all personal. 
it's all real. Whether you lose a job, whether you struggle in your marriage, it's all real. When we base our foundation on those things that can't satisfy, we're going to fall. We just are. Our faith is not going to be pretty, and we're not going to persevere. But when we build our life on the rock, then when those stuff, that same thing happens in our life, the rain comes down, the water comes up, and the wind blows. Same exact thing happened. What's different is the foundation. And that's what Job had. It's amazing to me that that man could go through everything that he went through and still at the end of the day say, I think it's worth it. Let's read. I want to read Job 42. Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you will answer me. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And it goes on to say that the Lord blessed Job. And that doesn't always happen, by the way. God may or may not heal you. God may or may not answer your prayers. But one thing that does stay constant is that rock that you're built upon, and that's God. And he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He is good. He is just. He is kind. He is all of that. And I pray this morning that you will know him deeper and deeper and deeper. So that when you wrestle and your faith is not pretty, you will persevere.